Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career, and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome because I have the great privilege today of doing something I haven't done actually very many times in my career, but when I have done it, it's been a really good gig and I don't think today's going to be any exception. I am guest hosting the fabulous podcast called Sliding Doors with somebody that I met on Zoom, like everybody else did during COVID, the fabulous Jenny Becker. Jenny, thank you for asking me for a start on such an auspicious day, because today marks the actual day to a year, to a second, to a moment when you decided to do a podcast. Yeah, it actually does. And first of all, thank you for doing this, because I'm very honoured to be interviewed by one of the best (laughs) in the business. But yeah, it's very, very strange that sliding doors moment happened today probably about the exact time that we're recording that I sat in this room with my sister and decided to do sliding doors and I got the Instagram handle and drew my first logo and the rest is history it's so brilliant because you know you and I well we met but I mean I know you you set this up it wasn't what you were doing you didn't have a career in broadcasting but you asked me you dm'd me slid into my dms DMs. (laughs) and And I went, I was really kind of caught by your logo, by everything. And I went on and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And you and I just sort of, I don't know, I think COVID did that. You and I just sort of instantly hit it off. Yeah. And we named ourselves, um, you know, COVID Podcast Pals. Yeah, That's what we we became. We've sort of chatted. We haven't met in person, but maybe we never need to. Maybe it's fine. I'll pop, you know, just (laughs) our Zoom 
But it was so nice because we just sort of, I don't know, we just sort of got it because I was podcasting at the time as well. And we had this kind of, I don't know, we were able to just really chat about it, weren't we? We were able to kind of sit down and go, okay, this is, because it is a whole new world of podcasting. And I really applaud you as somebody that's currently given up on my podcast because it is the new medium, you know, and a lot of people are doing it. But where you are brilliant is that it's a fantastic concept Mm -hmm. and it's simple and I loved doing it as a guest because you get to talk about fun things and your those moments in life that we all have and I guess in a way you're part of my sliding door because that was sort of chatting to you and if you like kind of going okay this is the future much more than me trying to bang it on out like you know in another country you know trying to restart where I'm completely unknown I just thought actually what you were doing was so brilliant so I was the lucky one having my sort of little sliding door with you and oh, then no, now thank you I know I we- get a guest guest host gig which are the best ones because you get all the kind of it, the good bits but it's not your responsibility exactly love that kind of job and like me <laughs> and you meeting was totally sliding doors because I was genuinely in some form of rabbit hole I didn't even know you had a podcast at the time I was on a rabbit hole on Instagram and I was like oh Emma Forbes she's got a podcast and I was like I'm just gonna and like usually your message and they never see your message and again I listened to your podcast and I loved it and you know again it's like if you hadn't have said yes we wouldn't have connected and yeah you're totally right I think we've been able to be a brilliant support for each other and you know learn yeah learn I mean let's be honest trade. we've also had really good kind of bitching sessions yes as well. we have we've, we've had, had good rants <laughs> but it's we've nice it's really been so good. nice yeah like it's been nice yeah. to have a support because as you say I've never done anything like this before and you're you know Um, I know, but you know what? I think now, and I think in the world of podcasts, it's what I said to you, is actually my experience doesn't really count for everything. It really doesn't, mm because I genuinely believe that interviewing is a gift. People are either good at it or they're not, and you're blinking brilliant at it, as is shown by the fact that you just had, you know, you were picked in the Daily Mail, you're, you know, you're growing all the time, and you're getting good guests on and everything. And it isn't really about the experience anymore. It's about somebody that's able to put put their story out there, make people feel at ease when they're being interviewed. And, and you know, and you kind of learn that lingo. So you and I had really good chats basically about it and yeah, we always definitely. Will. we always will and you're right like it was a very scary thing to do because everyone wrote a book or launched a podcast during lockdown and I yeah. wasn't I'm not well known and I never wanted to do this to be well known I just genuinely loved interviewing I actually what's interesting is is that I always loved watching panels and moderators and I remember I once saw this panel at a law firm and they did it with a few different people that had launched you know like launched the Tesco club card and all these brilliant people and I was just really mesmerized by the moderator rather than the interviewees. And when the pandemic hit through my job, I threw myself into just like, I created this like digital event where I could host panels, threw myself into that to be like, I want to get some experience. God, I was so nervous. I, I, I literally can't believe how much I prepared for those things. But again, like I'm really yeah. built that. So the reason, yeah, like podcasting is really hard, but I think where we connected was, we both just did it out of enjoyment for talking and not like, you know, I don't want to become famous. I don't want this to be my full-time job where I just make money from it. I just love talking to people about a concept that I love. Yeah. I think that's the, to me, that's the key to me, the people I've looked up to and admired in my career are always the people who I see are doing it because they 
passionately love it, mm-hmm. right? And I remember Sarah Green from Saturday Morning TV told yeah. me one of the best things. I can't remember if I told you this on my podcast, but people will love this. They said, you can tell if an interviewer really, if it's about them being famous or whether they're really into it. Because when you watch an interviewer on TV, if they're like leaning back in the seat, right? Yeah. It's more about them. Right. Because they're kind of leaning back and it's like, okay, look at me. But when people lean forwards to listen in and now that I've pointed it out, watch it. When people move in. Yeah. That means they're kind of like, oh, I want to know more about that. And and I was like, you, I didn't do it for the fame. I mean, God knows. Thank God there was no social media because I'm 110. (laughs) There wasn't like Instagram and all of that pressure. And I really did do it for the love of it. And and, and I could tell that you did. And I think actually where podcasting has been brilliant is it's allowed people to kind of go, I'm going to try this out. Yeah. And because it is kind of something that you can just do, you know, you can put it together. You don't have to pay to go on the platforms. You know, you, you can do it yourself. I think that's one of the things I do love about the podcasting world is, is it's open to anyone to talk about anything. Whereas I think with a lot of other things that, you know, you have to become famous. So you've got to kind of jump through a million hurdles to get there. So it really can be an outlet for someone like me. That's just always been a passion to kind of push it even further. Yeah, no. Well, I, as I say, I loved doing the sliding doors moment and I'm super excited to do yours and, you know, um, just happy we met really. And so, You've got three sliding doors moments of which I have already read and seen. Shall we Shall we start with the great moments? Yes, let's go for it. I don't know how great they are, but they're definitely the biggest. No, no, they I've are. I think life. we should. I think we should start with your with your university sliding moment. Let's start yes. with that. Yep. Um, so my first moment is is that I didn't get into my top choice of university. So it's quite long winded, but um, I always wanted to do fashion ever since I was little. I used to draw. I didn't know what I wanted to do in fashion, but I loved, I just used to draw dresses and I always just loved fashion, but I did also love the business side of stuff. So there was one course back then. I mean, now there's like a million. There was one course at Leeds University, which was fashion and business. And I applied and I got in. And then like a month later, they said, not enough people have applied. So we're canceling the course. And I was like gutted. I had dead set myself on going to Leeds. Um, Then my school were like, well, you should apply to London College of Fashion. But I didn't really want to go to London for university. It just wasn't. I wanted to go somewhere that was a bit more of a smaller town and kind of had a bit more of this. I just wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't ready to go to the big city yet. Um, So I applied to London College of Fashion. I got in. Um, However, that year I was taking a gap year. It was the year that the school fees changed and they wouldn't let me defer my entry. So I basically had to say no. So I ended up going to my last choice of university, which was in Birmingham, um, when I don't really know why it was my last choice, because it was actually such a brilliant university. Um, and just so many things happened from that. Um, I, I, I genuinely wouldn't be where I am today without have going to Birmingham with, for lots and lots of different reasons. I actually think when I read that, particularly as I've got kids at that age and who've gone through the whole university thing it really resonated with me because I I didn't go to university and it wasn't even really a conversation and so I didn't really have that experience but I saw in my kids the pressure of of applying to universities and this whole like first second third choice and it's it's a lot right and actually 
the same, I think, people will resonate with the fact that it's the same with anybody. As I, I said to my kids when they got in, I said, listen, if you don't get in somewhere, it's for a reason. Yes. Like, like I remember you telling me that, actually. Yeah, there'll be a reason for it. So although it's like devastating at the time, it's all part of your pathway. And your pathway is meant to be what it's meant to be. With my son, it was really hard. I mean, he applied to like seven universities, you yeah. know, and 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 it is... It's it's really difficult for people. And it was so lovely to hear that you, you know, you felt like you'd made the right choice in the end. Because I do think you're, you know, I just think somewhere up in the ethos or whatever it is, it sort of guides you to the place that's right for you. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, certain things like I met like one of my really good friends there, the people I met, I mean, I met like an ex there, which yes, I'm still, I'm not with them now, but it's still part of my journey. But I think the thing that really sticks out as part of the path, which is why I see this so much as a slang doors moment is I, I don't know if I would have done as well anywhere else. I got first in my degree. I worked really hard. It's actually behind me, my dissertation. I did a dissertation on a high street fashion week, made this book and, you know, I, I worked really, really hard and one day I was working in another job. I'd got a job in London. I was in London and my one of the company I always wanted to work for was the British Fashion Council. And a job came online for a sponsorship assistant. And it was the day before the deadline finished. And I was like, I'm going to apply. I'm sure a million people will. I've never done sponsorship in my life, but there we go. Um, went for my interview and I just decided on the last minute to take my dissertation with me because I was just like, it's just good to have something extra with you to take there. And I did yeah. it on a high street fashion week and they did London fashion week. And I was in the interview and just before it finished, I was like, oh, I've brought my dissertation with me. I just wanted to show you this section I have on sponsorship, which I kind of based around London fashion week, literally within like two minutes, like the head of sponsorship had come in. They'd taken my dissertation to show the CEO. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I ended up getting the job out of like 500 like applicants or something ridiculous at, at the time. And I, I kind of pinpoint it all to being like, that was my journey. Yeah. Like I would not have got, I know I wouldn't have got the job without taking my dissertation just because it was so competitive. And me showing them how my brain worked and how I knew how sponsorship worked within, and even though I'd never done it, to them was like, she gets it. So she can yeah. start from scratch and work her way up. And if I hadn't have got that job, I just would not be where I am today. So it, yeah, it definitely has been a very long winded path, but I don't, who knows if I would have done that if I'd have gone to uni in London or Leeds, like it just would have been so different. But I think it's also good that you knew you had a sort of gut instinct that, that you weren't ready for London, you yeah. know, because I get that, right. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter moved, you know, moved to New York for uni. And yeah. and when we first talked about her doing university abroad, she was like, I absolutely, we talk about it a lot. She went, there is no way I could live somewhere like New York. New yeah. York was somewhere we've been on holiday because my husband works there. And we'd go and she'd love it. And she'd be like, it's so overwhelming. There's no way. And, and it was really weird when the time was right. Mm-hmm. She just went, I absolutely love it here. And this is where I want to go. And I was like, wow, okay, we've done a 360, but whatever. And... And I feel the same way. What I'm saying is I feel the same way for my kids is that they chose where they wanted to be. I do think that's an important thing because I think even at 18 when you go off to uni, although you may not know what you want to do, I think what is inbred in one is that sort of innate sixth sense. I'm a big believer in your gut instinct, right? Even at 18, you were like, I'm not ready for London. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. No, you're so right. Ready for that. And I feel like as well... 
what I think sometimes we're like, well, it's London College of Fashion. I have to go there if I want to be yeah. successful. And I yeah. think that's the other thing that I kind of wanted to relay was like, it, it, it isn't, it isn't about no. where you go. It, it it's, especially, yeah. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have got a first at London College of Fashion. It would have been way more competitive. I probably wouldn't, you know, you just don't know. So actually, you know, you can Well, again, still... I go back to the pressure yeah. on kids to kind of go to the best, the best mm -hmm. of the best. And actually, when you look at people's lives, you know, and I'm not just being, you know, I didn't, I literally got barely five O levels, right? Yeah. And when I say barely, I'm sure people just took pity on me. I mean, I made my maths teacher cry because I, <laughs> I think I got 10% in my maths O level just for like writing my name. I mean, I, you know, wasn't the brightest person in the box. I didn't go to university. I can't, you know, and but it doesn't matter. Your life is sort of what you make it. You mustn't exactly. put that pressure on yourself. Oh, I want to go into fashion. If I don't go to the London College of Fashion, it won't happen. Yeah, Look totally. at everybody who's in fashion, how they've got there. They haven't done those routes. They've often gone a really... Yeah, they have. Weird, You're so right. You know, they've done something completely different. Yeah, 100%. So, so yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. And I think that you know, I'm sure, I don't know how my life would have been if I had had gone there. I'm sure like, you know, I hopefully would have still been enjoying what I do, but I think it just has always stuck in my mind because it was my last choice. And I feel yeah. like it got me somewhere really good. So, um, yeah. Love that. So then your next one is also really about a job and it's also a slightly similar theme yeah. of that sliding doors moment of kind of thinking that something that is a dream job and I've been there too that's why we get on because all of these <laughs> are like, yeah, we get it. um but but tell us you you've got a job a dream job at your dream company so that is when you kind of go this is where I want to work and this is what it is and what yeah. happened and so I I'm not going to talk about where it was I'll keep it no. kind of like anonymous you didn't even tell me so I, I didn't even tell you so I can't even let it slip <laughs> So um, I stayed at the British Fashion Council for about five years and I got poached to move to this company who I'd like interned with when I was younger um, to be their kind of worldwide events manager. And it was just like a given that I wasn't, I was going to go to the interviews and I got the job and it was lit when I got the job, like I was so proud of me, but like everyone around me was so proud of me. It was just this really like elated moment. And I was like, this is meant to be, this is why I was there. And I was always meant to be here. I was so excited. Um, so I started the job and after three months, I basically had to quit the job. And I say had to because I got bullied. Um, I just had an awful time there. Um, and when I say I got bullied, like it's really hard to say that because I'm like, how could I, why would I let someone bully me? But it was a very, very passive aggressive environment. It was everything you've ever, I'd never worked in an environment like that. Like you hear everything about that in fashion. Um, and it just, it just went wrong. The culture was wrong, but it, it just affected yeah. me so badly. Um, I like wasn't eating. I was crying every day. I had to see the doctor. He wanted to sign me off. And there's a lot of things that happened, but it basically got to the point where I, I've never quit anything in my life. And I think this has been such a big lesson for me because I just thought quitting isn't the option. Like you don't quit, you work hard. I mean, the thought of just not even having a job was also like, I can't not have a job. Like, yeah. you know, I want to leave a job and have another job. Um, and there was one day, I remember I was working at an event and I just, I went outside and I was like, I'm going to quit tomorrow. And, I, and as soon as I just decided I was going to quit, it was like, this like relief came over me. And I was like, 
you know, the worst case scenario, I'll go move back with my parents. At least I've got that, like got that option. I'll try and freelance for a bit, like something will happen. And what was really strange was the same day I decided to quit, I got an email from my friend, um, a friend who I went, gone to school with, I don't speak to all the time saying, hi, Jenny, um, like, not sure if you're looking for a job, but I know this really amazing woman. Um, she's like set up this big company in Dallas and she's got a London office and they're looking for an event manager. Would you be interested in applying? And I was just like, yeah, I'll apply, um, like see what happens. And I think I mentioned this to you before, like when, when you're in the world of fashion, you become slightly snobby as in you want to work for the big brands especially when you're younger you know you see that as being success and I think after this whole experience I was like I just want to work somewhere with nice people Um, yeah no no I get it yeah Um, and then to cut a long story short I ended up getting the job I was I was like told about on the day I decided to quit and it was the best experience I've ever had it changed me massively um I met amazing people it showed me the importance of culture. I just, I felt the happiest I felt, not just from that job, but just in a long time. Like I'd not smiled as much as I did. And and that job changed my life. And I think that this is kind of like a bad sliding doors moment that ended up being something good because I think it really well, showed yeah. me that bad situations maybe sometimes are meant to happen because I would never, ever have even given that job a thought, let alone have got it if I hadn't have gone yeah. to the job before. And and it's funny because again, listening to this as the old mother Hubbard that I am, my kind of maternal instinct kicks in because I, you know, I'm going through this with both of my kids and I keep saying to them that like, you know, in those bad sliding doors moments, they're not always great sliding doors moments. You have to have the bad to know about the good. And I keep saying to them, because it's very hard marketplace out there now to get a job and get working. Even if you've been to university, everything, COVID's changed everything, life's changed everything, the world has changed. And I said, you never know what you do want until you do a job you don't want. Oh, it's so true. So you, you never know that you want to, I mean, like, Lily, my daughter, was obsessed with working in a team. If she would say to me once, she'd kind of go, no, I want a job where I work like a really big team because she'd visualise that that was what she should do, right? She had to be in a huge team. And a bit like you, one of her first jobs, it was a horrible environment, yeah, right? And, you know, team's only good if they're a team, right? If you've got a nasty team or there's a kind of a vibe going on. And so, but it's really difficult. You have to sort of almost have that moment to go, oh, no, that's not for me. And and I think what you say is so true is that when you just make the decision, because I think also the pressure one puts on. Oh, my on gosh, yeah. To do a job. Um, I can't remember if this was one of my sliding moments with you, but I think when I said to you I was offered the big breakfast and yeah, I didn't yeah, do it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the relief, right, the oh. pressure for me to do that job, you can imagine, like, the biggest job in TV. And the relief for me of kind of going, actually, it's just not what I want to do. And I, and like you, I didn't have, I hadn't got live and kicking. Yeah, That, that was my pipe dream. But I was like, I just, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. And I, again, I go back to that thing. I think the sliding doors is very mixed in with gut instinct. A hundred percent. And nobody works well in a bad environment. Like I, I don't believe in staying in jobs where you are miserable. Yeah. I just think it doesn't do anybody any good. And I think what really like shook me about this experience was I couldn't, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And I believed I was poached for this job 
because I was meant to be there. And when it didn't work out, yeah. I was also having this whole like mind thing of like, but I thought this was meant to be like, I was like, that's why I, you know, went to uni there. And that's why I went to there and did that. And it was like, when it didn't work out, I was like, well, hold on. This wasn't meant to be like meant to be. And I think it took me, it's kind of almost like when you have a breakup, like at the time, you don't yeah. really realize what's the lesson you're going to learn from it. And I think that for me, I learned that quitting can make you stronger. And I, you know, I left the job. I didn't have another job, but I freelanced and until well, I found were you something also else. probably nervous because you said in the beginning that everybody was like, Oh my God, congratulations. It's oh amazing. Oh my God. Yes. You almost feel, embarrassed is the wrong word, but that sort of feeling of like letting everybody down around you. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. Jen left the big one. So, <laughs> yeah. if, so I remember as well. So with my close friends, I mean, I remember once going to a pub after work and all my friends were there and I just burst out. Like they were very worried about me, my friends, but I think what's funny is I went to my school, re my 10 year school reunion, like, the week after I decided to have my notice in and I was wearing a name badge that said Jenny Becker da, 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 at this company. And I couldn't tell anyone that I wasn't because I, again, yeah, I did. I felt like who turns this job down? Who says no to it? A lot of that played in my mind when I was deciding whether to quit or not, because I was like, how can I leave this company? I'll never you know, go somewhere else again. And you do, you battle a lot with quitting. I'm just, it's not been drilled into me not to quit. I'm just someone that I give my all to everything and I don't like quitting. And, but again, it taught me a massive lesson because it was stronger for me to leave than it was for me to stay. And listen, I think the fashion industry gets a lot of bad publicity, but you can work for so many companies where people are just normal and nice. So I think you just yeah. have to find where you fit into that world. I think I think what happens in the fashion world is that it gets more of a public voice when it's yeah. not nice and things like that. And I think, um, you know, it, it has that reputation, but all businesses have nice people, nasty people good people whatever um you can find somewhere exactly. nice to work and it's it's just I think how you choose to live but I think that you know that I read that and I was like that was a that was a good moment to do that well also you reminded me very quickly as well of like when I actually also applied for other jobs I got very worried about them asking me why did I leave my last company and yeah. I remember talking to my parents and being like, do I tell them? Do I like lie about it? Do I just say I was there on like a thing? And I didn't want to lie. Um, I also didn't want to badmouth the company because, it, you know, it wasn't right for me. No. It may be right for other people. So um, I, my advice to anyone would also be like, just be honest. Like I just said it wasn't yeah. a culture fit for me because it wasn't. And I also remember in one of the interviews that I had someone saying, it was actually the interview that I'm in the job for now. My boss used to work for another kind of big company. And he said, oh, I've had the exact same experience. I thought I had yeah. my dream job. And it was nice because then we connected. So you don't always have to kind of hide the bad experiences. I think, you know, no, you can and I talk think you about can, them. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think you have to just be really, I think honesty, mm -hmm. to me, honesty is always the best policy in that. And I agree with that because other people will resonate with that. Everybody's yeah. had the bad internship, the, the kind exactly. of the crappy job or the kind of the horrible boss or the team that didn't, you know, the weren't team players. Um, and with life now, people just think, oh, like she's smashing it. She's gone through this and she does this and she does this. And, you know, yes, okay with some things, but I've had a lot of the bad as well. I've had a lot of rubbish jobs and jobs that have like broken me. You've just got yeah. to kind of persevere. Yeah, you do. Good life lesson. Well, your third one again, 
resonated me because and 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 you've got one up on me on this one because it's about the fact that you were a very nervous flyer and you had to yes. go on a big work to Australia. And I was reading it and I was laughing to myself because I thought <laughs> I'm not the best flyer. I, I do a <laughs> hell of a lot of flying and I, I try to appear cool and I always like visualize Sharon Stone in like white plateau pants yeah. and I'm sort of and like I've got a tiny little bag and I'm just drifting on and off. You want your like monochrome bag and you want to be walking yes, through the airport. Yes, and then I've got like a self-help book and I've got kind of a little protein bar and I look and like you're the And then you're on the plane and you're like spritzing and you've got, you know, like yes, you do all the like. that's the vision. But the reality <laughs> yeah. is I've got like billions of bags with like, you know, lavender oil and I'm stressing out and I'm trying to meditate but can't hear and all, you know, whatever. <laughs> but one of the things was on my bucket list is to go to Australia. I've never been to Australia. And why? Because I very cleverly have kind of gone, oh, you know, it'd be difficult, Graham, because can't the kids are little, it's too long. And, yeah. you know, this. and now they're kind of 25, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, we didn't go to Australia. And, there's yeah. that and you did, you did exactly that. You had to go on a work trip. Yeah. Um, to Australia. Yeah. So this, it was hard to think of a last moment because I think what I find on the podcast is, is that some moments are like these, like, oh my God, that happened. And then that happened. But some are a bit more kind of like little that you unpick. And I think this one was for me because I had to go. So I'm really nervous flyer. I mean, like shaking, like I got such bad anxiety before I used to go on planes. Like, I mean, talk to my friends. I was just, I wasn't great to travel with just generally. Um, and I just, I knew that I could never go that far. I was like, I'm just putting that side of the world out of my brain. Yes, it's beautiful, but I just don't think I'll ever go there. And I had to do an event with Vogue Australia. And I remember kind of just being like, it, part of me was a bit excited and I was like, I'm going to have to go. And then as the time came near, I was like, I'm actually going to Australia. And I was flying on my own and... I remember I was at work like probably like a week before and I genuinely had to leave the office because I was having a panic attack. I was like, I just do not think I can do this like at all. Um, and obviously I did it. I got on the plane and I went and... It's pretty I, amazing, let me tell you. As a nervous, it, that's pretty amazing because that's a hell of a flipping flight. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I, I remember when the plane landed because I mean, that's like the third plane I've got. When the plane landed and you see on the map how far you've come, I started crying. I was like... And I was like, oh my God, I'm so far away from home. All the stuff I need to get home and I can't get on a plane. Um, but I, and actually what was so lovely was, I, this is another thing I do. So I'm very weird with flying. I like to tell the air stewardesses that I'm nervous flyer. It's just so that they know if I start I crying, well. it makes I me feel better. And yeah. I was on, I was on Qantas and for some reason they're like brilliant there. And this woman comes up with an iPad. She's like, so Jenny, you're a nervous flyer. I was like, oh yeah. And they'd like, had nothing. And then she goes, you know, when the plane because the plane lands and then you get back on it again because you've got to get off and come back on. She goes, would you want to go and see the pilot? It might like help you get a bit better. And this was like an Airbus A380 or the double-decker uh, aeroplane. Yeah. So she took me and I actually got to like sit in the cockpit of this like amazing plane. I mean, it didn't make me feel any better. I was like, no. whoa, there are a lot of controls here. <laughs> like, how do you fly this plane? You know what, um, I've got to interrupt. But as a nervous flyer, they've done that to me before. And yeah. I'm just like, for a nervous flyer, I'm just like, get me the hell out of the cockpit. Yeah, it does not make any difference. they're too relaxed. They're yeah. like, hey, oh, you know. I was like, this is my bedroom. This is where we go yeah. for sleep. I'm I was like... like I'm like, don't pee, don't have that cup of coffee. Why have you got a magazine on the floor? Like, never take your eyes off the wheel, ever, ever, ever. So, yeah, sorry no, to interrupt. No, I totally I agree. So, that. yeah, so... So I went on this trip to Australia and I absolutely fell in love with Sydney. Like, I, I just... I literally loved it there. Um, and... 
I managed to stay, I stayed there with work for about three weeks and had this amazing like Airbnb on overlooking Bondi beach and made like a really great group of friends. And, and it just changed my life because I think as well, I'd, I'd been through like, I don't know, I'm part of a group of friends where a lot of people have got married at the same time. We've always done the same things. And I just opened my like eyes up to this like big world. And everyone that goes to Australia has traveled there, like, you know, from somewhere else. And they've been there, meant to be there for a year. And they're there five years later. And it was this place just full of people that were like searching, but also like, you know, it just, I loved it there. And it basically was the catalyst that started me going on long haul flights. I went back the year after on a holiday. And then- So did it cure your fear of flying or are Um, you still I'm still slightly, I mean, COVID screwed everything up because I was in a good rhythm. Um, I'm a lot better now. I actually made me realise that long haul flights, I'm way better on than short haul because it's like, you know, there's more space and you've got your movies and don't get me wrong, it's a really long flight um, and it's really hard. Um, But I went to New Zealand on my own um, before COVID. I went there for three weeks. Joined a group of like 60-year-old Americans by accident, but it turned out to be the best, like three weeks of my life. But I would, something like that changed my life, that that trip to New Zealand. And I would never have even thought of it. And I only really thought about this when I had to think of my moments. I would never have ever gone that far across the world, let even with someone else, let alone on my own. And I think it really, it again, it showed an inner strength in me that I never thought I had. Um, and it, it has opened up the whole world to me now for traveling. Well, I, I think wouldn't have done that before. Thing, I think that um, as a fellow nervous flyer, and I do exactly the same thing I get on and I speak to a stewardess and I kind of go, We can't wow. fly ever together. <laughs> ever, never, ever are you going to do that. Um, so I get on and I kind of say to a stewardess, I'm a nervous flyer. And if it's turbulent, I call them over and Graham always oh, makes me always. So I say, um, do you know how long it's going to go on for? Yeah. They go, <laughs> Um, we're not sure. And then I said, could you ask the pilot? Oh, and I'm they, exactly the same. they come back and Graham said, have you noticed they always say to you about 20 minutes? And he said, because basically, Emma, they're just trying to kind of get, let's shut up person in seat, <laughs> not, you know, whatever it is. And just say to it, every time I've ever asked about turbulence, they're like, probably about 20 minutes. But I sit there with my clock. I'm oh, like, yeah. Me not too. my clock, but my watch. And I'm like, okay, it's been 20 minutes. So, you know, well, is it, they stop? go... And I say things like, oh, my God, I was on one flight. And they went, he's trying to find smoother air. And I went, could he try hard? <laughs> like, could he go somewhere? And they went, but the thing is, we're in a jet stream, which means we get there faster. He's, you know, if we're not. I'm like, like, I, I, don't I don't care don't, about getting there faster. I don't mind. Let's add that hour. Forget all the other 300 how- people on the flight. <laughs> Yeah, who are just like looking at me like, you... No, but I actually ask before I get on. I always say, is there going to be turbulence? And they're they're very good now, pilots. They do often warn you beforehand. And you know when everyone's like faffing around at the beginning of a flight and the pilot comes on? I'm always like, shh, everyone shut up. I want to hear. I'm like, is there turbulence? (laughs) Is there going to be? And then he's like, halfway through the flight. So I'm like you, but then I'm nervous until halfway through the flight. I know, I'm the same. Going back to COVID. Yeah, what you said I, is so true, and I'm sure lots of your listeners will agree, is that, I can't remember how you worded it, but I just was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. You said it just, it ruined the routine. It, yeah. Because because if you are somebody that's nervous of, of, of not just flying, but anything, COVID sort of put us all in that very safe bubble, mm-hmm. right? So for me as a nervous flyer, I've got a child on each coast and my family in England. So I was always having to get on and off a plane, right? Yeah. And I'm like a, you know, I was always having to get off a bumpy flight somewhere. And COVID, I was like, oh, my God, hands-free, don't have to do it. Uh, But actually, 
it's much harder now sort of getting back into the flow of things. The oh, other definitely. side of COVID, it's almost harder than being in COVID because yeah. in COVID, everybody was the same. There was no way you and I could meet yeah. because you couldn't send me a thing going, do you fly over to England? Exactly. Imagine you and I flying somewhere to meet. That would be You're so right. And like, actually, I went on a flight probably a couple of months ago and I I went back a lot to how I used to be. Yeah. I was very teary. I mean, I, I was doing that thing where I put my sunglasses on because I don't want people to see me crying. And, you know, I was like, and I know I'll get better, but as you say, it, I just got into the rhythm and it just ruined it, but it's not going to stop me. And I think that that's also a message I want to tell people is, is that you, I mean, it is hard because everyone's got a, like different fears, but with flying, I think just try because you, you can surprise yourself massively with what you can do. Oh my God, I've loved doing this podcast with you. I feel like we've been for ages. I know, I know we, could, we could continue, but but we can't really because I have to end it. But so yeah. it's like your <laughs> otherwise I'll look like the unprofessional guest host that came on. People will be going, when Emma came on, she talked for like 45 minutes longer than necessary. Um, but thank you for asking me because honestly, it was a real honour and it was a really lovely job for me. And it's, um, yeah, and I'm very happy that my sliding doors moment meant that I, you and I got to meet across the airwaves. Thank God we didn't meet on a plane. Although yeah. maybe we'd be very good for each other on a plane. Let's never say never. never. Yeah, because I feel like actually we're both very like caring people. I think we'd want to try and make the other one feel better. I think we'd be quite good. We, we so. potentially could be quite good and we'd both get on and both be going, excuse me, um, <laughs> is it? Is it bumpy flight today? <laughs> oh my God. No, but honestly, Emma, thank you so much because as I say, like we've connected so well and I couldn't think of anyone else that I'd want to kind of, you know, what the day that this episode actually gets released is the, the year of the first episode ever being released. So it's a really special thing for me to kind of be able to talk about moments in my life. And um, I couldn't think of anyone I'd want to chat about. Well, it's more. important because, you know, it's important for people to know even more about you. And I honestly, I think your podcast is flipping brilliant and I love listening to it and it's only going to grow bigger and bigger as far as I'm concerned and I will always on social media talk about it thank you so much vice versa (laughs) we're cheerleaders forever and she's wearing a sweatshirt with the logo which I'm just putting it out there I've told her that next should be merchandise (laughs) I would buy that sweatshirt I'm putting it out maybe I'll send you a package and you can be my first love people love people love merchandise who doesn't love merchandise that's true. You can be my first influencer. Think about it. Okay, I will. Slide into Jenny's DMs if you wanted to do merchandise. <laughs> I'll oh. be her Chris Jenner, my manager. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. You've said it now. <laughs> okay. Oh, thanks so thanks. much, Emma. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.